Hello, welcome to this University of Brighton podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Newman and this week's guest is Sarah Fitzjohn-Scott from the School of Education, Deputy Head of School and Sarah looks after the partnerships with so many schools in the university's catchment area, facilitating placements for students and setting up working relationships. We had a general discussion about teacher training and how to get more people into it. I'm responsible for our school partnerships, so right from our early year settings to our further education colleges. I'm responsible for the for the partnerships working with those um, members of staff in the schools and also the people in our school who work with the students out on their placements. I'm also responsible for safeguarding and I hold an, uh, a number of other roles. I'm an, I teach on performance arts modules as well. We'll get really into that in just a bit. Um, if we rewind a little bit to what you were doing before you you worked at the university because you were you were a teacher yep, that's previously. Right. I was a teacher. I um, trained to teach um, at the University of Warwick and um, moved down here because I fell in love with Brighton when I came to uh, work here one summer at a language school. Um, this is the only place I really wanted to live, actually. Hmm. Where were you from originally? Well, my parents live in Worcester. I moved around quite a okay. lot when I was younger, but my parents still live in Worcestershire in the Midlands, which is quite an old good old journey when I go back up to see them but it's 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 nice going back there but my mum actually trained at the University of Brighton before it was a university and became a teacher here so there's quite a legacy of education in our family my mum was a head for a number of years Um, she was a head for over 30 years at different schools but she always spoke so fondly about living in Brighton when she was training. So kind of followed in her footsteps a little a little bit moving down here after I after I qualified. That's a really nice story as well, then that to sort of follow that that same journey. A lot of must have changed since then, though. Yeah. I mean and then here you are sort of heading up several bits of the others in the School of Education. That's a strange it is, is that, quite strange. Quite strange it, I guess. it is because what was what, what a funny story that my mum doesn't like me to tell <laughs> is that um, she was nominated as sort of one of the students of the year when she was training back in the 60s to open one of the old School of Education buildings. And since then, that's all been knocked down and we've got new state-of-the-art buildings. So when I told her that um, one, the building that I worked in was being knocked down because it was a bit decrepit um, and we were having new buildings she said don't please don't say that was decrepit that's the building I opened <laughs> oh <laughs> she, she cut the ribbon <laughs> maybe it was just uh, fell into a state of disrepair rather than it was old oh yeah yeah right let's just go with that so you worked um, in Brighton then um, as, as a teacher yeah I did my NQT year in Sussex I was um, employed um, through what was the pool system at the time which I doesn't exist anymore and I worked at uh, Plumpton Primary School just um, over the hill just past Ditchling near Lewis and I absolutely loved it there it was a great place to start my career and we still have students there going there now on their placement so it's really interesting to go back to the school sometimes and then I um, applied rather cheekily for um, a promotion only just over two years into my role and I moved to Middle Street Primary School. So it was really sad leaving Plumpton, but it was it was great going to Middle Street. It was a very different school, right in the centre of town. And ended up becoming deputy head there um, fairly quickly afterwards when I was um, fairly soon in my career. I absolutely love teaching, and I think that's kind of demonstrated by, by 
all the effort I've put into it over mm -hmm. the years. And, and I feel really privileged now, actually, training the next generation of teachers and helping them into the profession that I think holds so highly in esteem. Mm. So, what, so what made you decide to move into universities and then teaching the next teachers? Well, at Middle Street and at Plumpton, I'd um, come into contact with student teachers and actually had some student teachers in my class that I mentored and helped them to hone, uh, hone their practice, their craft, and work with them, giving them advice and feedback, modelling, um, great teaching, but also learning a lot from them and, the, and what they were bringing from the university. I just happened to look uh, on 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 the university web page and there was a, a post advertised that looked like my dream job and in fact it was um um it was a post for a lecturer in english and in drama and so i applied for it now interestingly I have to admit now that this is the first job I did wasn't actually successful in getting. <laughs> but I obviously demonstrated my... And by the way, the candidate who got it was fantastic, mm. so I absolutely agreed with that. <laughs> but they, um, they obviously saw my potential and asked me to join the team of visiting um, tutors going into schools to give advice uh, to students and to help them to progress. And fairly swiftly after that, um, somebody else from the uh, from the English team retired. A another post was opened. I applied for it and was successful at that stage. So I had quite a gentle introduction to the university. It was almost like it was meant to be. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you now here you are now teaching students that would like to become teachers. Do you sort of miss the the frontline stuff at all? So being back in schools. Well, I mean. I come into contact with loads of children and young people because I have my own children mm -hmm. and um, we have quite a busy household where lots and lots of their friends are, are around. But also I'm very keen to keep my connections with schools. So after, after recording this today, I'm going into a local Brighton school and later on this afternoon, I'm again going, I'm going to another school in Sussex. I also am chair of governors at uh, a Brighton school and on the board of trustees for a special school academy group. So you don't really miss out that I, much. <laughs> I, I, I spend a lot of time with, with, with children and, and young people and I, I think that I'm still using my skills as a teacher and also as a learner because you don't stop learning. Yes, I miss it, but I think that I do. I'm just doing things in different ways now. Yeah, you've got probably got quite a nice balance, yeah. really. Your work here at the uni then, um, the, the School of Education is one of our real success stories. Consistently one of the best performing for teach training in the UK. What's the story, do you think, behind the success? Oh, goodness. The story behind the success is the School of Education team. That's the first thing. The tutors, the staff, the professional support staff that work there, every single person is absolutely committed to the success of those going into education, whether it be um, teacher training or an education degree with perhaps potential to move on to teacher training afterwards. Students are at the heart of everything we do. And in addition to that, with that student success comes the pupil success in schools. Mm. So our kind of passion for learning and teaching is, is at the centre. And I, I, think, I think 
that's at the centre of the success. We have really good, we work, we have really good partnerships with all of our schools. We work with over 600 schools and settings and our partnership area runs from Rye in the east to Portsmouth and then up to South London. So we, when we draw students in from all of those, from across the country, of course, but actually all of those areas who wish to stay at home to whilst they're training as well. But we have really good communication with those schools. All of our schools buy into what we're doing because they know we are extremely committed to ensuring that the students are the best teachers they can possibly be. So it's all based on well, great reputation. We've got Ofsted outstanding. That's right. As well, which is obviously something to be very proud of. We are really proud of that. It'd be good to talk more about the the partnerships, just to see how it works. Got great relationships with these schools from a from a vast area, as you're talking about there, and a big catchment area then as well yeah. to bring students in, and then for people to go on placements out. Yeah. I imagine as well. And placements are a huge part of teacher training here. There's so many places for them to go. Yeah, there are, and it, I mean. Uh, it, Whilst they're on their university-based training, they 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 learn um, they learn about what it's like to be a teacher. They learn um, how to plan lessons, how to assess pupils. They learn the theory behind education. They they increase their subject knowledge, but actually. When they're out on, on their placements, on their school-based training, they're putting that knowledge into practice. So they're learning and then they're learning really how to do it when, when they're out there. But the buy-in we get from the from, from our partnership, from, from the schools, the reason that we're able to place so many hundreds of students really successfully is because they all the staff in schools also believe in training the next generation of teachers. They know we have to succession plan. They see the benefits of having those extra training professionals in their classrooms enabling people's success. So it's a win-win for everybody and um, and the trainees love it mm-hmm. when they're out in school. Absolutely love it. That's great because not every industry has that attitude where they can take the next student yeah. on and, and be genuinely invested in how they get on and trying to help them to become a great teacher yeah. once they qualify. Others can be, it can be very competitive in other industries, but we'll come to it a little bit about the numbers that are going into teacher training, I think. It's an area which needs a lot more teachers. And I guess because of that, because everyone's so passionate about teaching, they really do want to help the next generation. Yeah, I mean, we need we need teachers we need teachers nationally. There will always be a, a requirement for 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 great teachers. Um, there has been quite a lot in the press about um, turnover of, of of teachers, but we also place quite a lot of importance within our training at the School of Education on ensuring that our trainees have the resilience to stay in the profession, mm-hmm. to ensure that they can look after their health their mental well-being, their, and they can prioritise their workloads in order that they remain successful. And what's what's funny is that so many, I, I forget how old I am quite often, and so many teachers who trained through us, I then see coming to our mentor training sessions because all of our students out in schools um, have a mentor who's school-based. And I see... So many of our former trainees, our former students coming back to be mentors because they want to give something back as they had when they were when they were on school-based training. I guess when they go out into the schools, 
that's their first experience of going back into a school, I guess, but since they've been in one themselves as a student and they're seeing it from a very different perspective. Can that be a bit intimidating for, for, for some students to find out the realities of some of the work that might be involved? We see a lot in the news, don't we, about the pressures that teachers are under. Yeah. And I, I guess part of the problem is that they may, it's in the news a lot, isn't it? So you may know about it before you go in and have this preconception of what it's like. Do students sometimes find that in some schools? And do you need to ease their concerns if that's the case? Or is it is that all over eggs a bit too much? Well, I think, firstly, we prepare our trainees for the realities of teaching. They know that it's going to be hard work. It's, it's a, when they join us, either on undergraduate or postgraduate degrees, sometimes they're a little bit shocked by the number of contact hours in comparison to friends at other universities who are perhaps studying a more theoretical subject without the without the practical element because they they do gain two qualifications of course because they gain their degree or their postgrad but also gain qualified teacher status so they're kind of studying for two things in tandem but we we do prepare them we don't require anybody to have any school-based experience before they come to us but we invariably find that when our students want to go into a profession and want to enter teaching, they have engaged with, with children in schools, either on work experience or in a volunteering capacity. But as I said, we prepare them for their workload and how to manage it, and we prepare them for the fact that their day will be long. We expect them to be in school from eight till five. There's always something in the in the news about, as well, about the, the number of people who are guess, getting into teach training, that's what we touched upon just now. Um, what do you think can be done to improve those numbers, to push more more people in, into teaching, to encourage, not to push, to encourage more people into teaching that it's the right career for them in terms of the support they get wider than what we get in the university? Because clearly, as you're saying, the support that every student gets is, is incredible and they get so much contact time, as you said, with um, staff to, to ease them through their through their degree. Well, if I just outline some of the support that we give to to our trainees, we they all have their personal academic tutor um, who guides them through their academic study, but also in preparation for their placement. They have their module tutors. We have um, school-based training leads. We have mentors in school. We have university tutors who go out to visit. So their well-being and their progress is both scaffolded, supported and encouraged. I think that for those who are undecided about taking that step into teaching, I would just say that it is what you perhaps think you might lose in terms of um, time and commitment, you reap the rewards tenfold in the in the in the personal satisfaction that you get when you are helping young people to develop not just in terms of their subject knowledge and their academic work but them as a whole child building on the cultural capital building on building on um their interests and helping them to feel safe and um and happy to be in education Mm. so for me it's an absolutely fantastic profession Perhaps for those people who are unsure but might like to try it, maybe it's a good idea, if they can, to go and spend a bit of time in school because they're happy places. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think that the the routes are easy to get into teaching if you decided later down the line that you'd like to become 
Oh, goodness, uh, yeah. Yeah, especially for a, maybe a, a mature, uh, more mature students who may have commitments. So I guess that's quite a big decision to make in terms of dropping back down to being an undergraduate again and funding and all that kind of stuff if maybe you have families, etc. Well, we have our traditional undergraduate routes and our postgraduate routes, so after a degree. Um, we also have apprenticeship routes into teaching and also school direct salaried. And both of those routes, you are paid while you work. Some of our secondary routes have bursaries. Um, so there are different ways into teaching with different, um, with, you know, some quite substantial levels of remuneration going into teaching. We're also very, very keen to support our different groups of students. So where we might have a, a student who has young children, they have to get to nursery, we're always really, really careful to place them so the nursery is on the way to their school-based mm. training, they don't have particularly long journeys, you know, sort of 15, 20 minutes max. Um, we, we make sure that we let them know in advance you know, quite some time in advance in order for them to make appropriate childcare arrangements. So we also have particular group um, support groups. So we have um, uh, BAME mentoring programmes. We have um, coffee meetings for um, maybe mature students or students who have who have caring commitments. So there's 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 lots and lots of ways in which we enable that transition into the profession to be as easy as possible. I'm not saying it's not hard work, mm. but as, as, as pain free as possible, I think. We hear of job pressures a lot as a teacher. There'll sometimes be a focus on people then drop out of teaching after a number of years being a teacher because of the amount of I guess yeah pressures and targets that people have to meet and the amount of work past the classroom if you were able just to advise the government for example and just say a way to change the culture what do you think you would suggest if you could sort of wave a magic wand if I could wave a magic wand I would try to keep some of the over ne overly negative stories out of the press mm. if I could if I could wave a magic wand because I think that that some of those, some of some of the reporting, um, doesn't doesn't help the profession to recruit and retain. However, there are big moves being made at the moment to um, support our new teachers, such as the early career framework, giving new teachers into the profession. So coming from university or teacher training elsewhere, giving them additional time, having. Um, uh, the early support running over two years rather than one year. We have in the School of Education a huge commitment to our NQTs, our newly qualified teachers, and our RQTs, our recently qualified teachers. We offer support, we offer um, CPD. They can contact us at any point and we support students if they're struggling with workload and work with the schools that they're in as well. So I think over the past few years, there's been some some major changes and there's going to be some major changes coming up, including workload reform that will enable teachers to remain successful and effective in the profession for much longer. The power of teaching, you're you're very positive about it. And clearly, if you want to be a teacher, you have to be really positive about it and you'd be and you have to love it. I imagine. Yeah. What is it that you love so much about teaching? The people that we're saying just now that were maybe a little bit unsure, if you could just say, this is why it's great. 
if I can talk about my perspective with our with our trainees, with our students, mm. but also this is this is this is what our teachers of the future will see and feel. It is I don't wish to sound cheesy. I'm going to, I'm really sorry. Go for it. It's about making a difference. Mm. It's about seeing a child or a student at the first stages of learning and understanding and helping that not not telling necessarily but helping that development and watching them grow and intervening where you can to remove barriers to learning to the point where they can take their learning on themselves so it's facilitating and guiding and it's a, it's about enabling everyone to be successful in education for me not not just if you are particularly gifted in a certain area or whether you have you know financial backing it's for all of those children the the disadvantaged learners those who are learning um, English for the first time in our schools making sure that they are all supported and all have equal access to a great education great and then if we'd say why to come to the University of Brighton I mean the top 10 for education courses in England in the Times and Sunday Times good university guide last year yeah top 20 in the Guardian University League table as well uh, so I mean obviously one of the best places to come it's possible to learn to be a teacher so if you could sell the University of Brighton as the as the place for someone to come what would be the the big draw for you wow I think, as I've said before, committed and passionate staff who care about every single student at every stage of their development. An incredibly successful partnership with our schools, where our schools are invested in those students being the best students they can possibly be. Brighton's a great place to live. It's an absolutely fantastic place to live and to learn. That's why I think that University of Brighton and particularly the School of Education is a great place to study. Great. We end every podcast by asking some questions completely away from your work. Okay. Um, we ask everyone the same questions. Okay. The first question then, what advice would you give to your younger self? Goodness me. Okay. I have learned over the years that whatever my deadline is, when I have something to work towards to always make sure that my if my first reaction is I need to start that three days beforehand to make sure I start it five days beforehand <laughs> because something life happens and some things get in the way or things pop up that you you're not you're not sure about so to give myself a bit of a longer lead in that I think I think that's advice that I would give my younger self and that I'm actually enacting now. It's making my life a bit better. Cool. Um, if you could pick a completely different subject to study at the University of Brighton, what would it be? Wow. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have the skills to do it. If you could do anything. Fine art. We've had that one quite often. It's a really, really? It's a, such a popular subject, though. Um, well, I did art A-level and oh, okay. I absolutely adored it. My daughter's taking art A-level now. Oh, great. And um, she's got an easel set up in her room and I have a little pang of jealousy when I see it. <laughs> Do you have a little go every now and again? Well, I did. I went to a painting class a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that really? Was great, yeah. And was that something that you just picked up recently again, having not done it for a while? My or? lovely sister-in-law encouraged me to do it. Okay. And I had a great time. Great. It was very relaxing. Good. Can you pick a favourite place in Sussex? Okay. Now, this is probably a favourite place that so many people choose. 
But I would say um, the beach. Now, I love to go to lots of different places on the beach in Sussex. Um, I love climping way down the coast in, in West Sussex. Um, I love... Um, I love Hove Lawns, near Hove Lawns, because it holds great memories of me taking my children when they were younger. But I guess the beach is a place for me where I can go in any weather and it's still exciting, whether it's the sunshine in the summer or whether the waves are crashing over. It, it, it's relaxing and it always blows the cobwebs away. And I also love people watching. Mm. And what what a great place to go to the beach to people watching. Nobody can see behind your sunglasses either mm. in the summer. It's always different. Yeah, always different. Yeah. If you could give visitors to Brighton and the area a tip of what to do or experience, I don't know, over a weekend perhaps, what would you suggest? Okay, so I would start my day by going up to Devil's Dyke and having a walk and looking at the fantastic views. Then I'd hop on an open top bus coming all the way down through Brighton and I would get off and have a wander down the beach and then go along to the pier. I don't ever spend too long on the pier because it's it's kind of loud, but it's a great place to go, and particularly if you're taking friends with um, and their families. And then I guess um, if I was if it was no holds barred, I'd go to Terra Terre because that is just the most superb vegetarian food, and I'd finish off the day at the Plotting Parlour cocktail bar because I love it. Tell us something interesting about you which most people may not know. Okay, so not everybody knows that I love singing, although if you stop next to me at traffic lights and I've got the windows wound down, you might have heard me um, because I tend to sing quite loudly in the car. So I love singing. Um, I've broken my nose several times. I'm quite accident prone. I have to be quite, have to be quite careful. Um, I actually fell down the stairs the other day. And... Um, Finally, I have a cross stuffy whippet dog who I love called Bruce. And finally, if you could invite three people to dinner, past or present, who would they be and why? The first person I would invite, and I was very sad that she died not so long ago, would be Maya Angelou because her poetry fills me with joy and um, she is a strong woman who overcame huge amounts of, of, of personal difficulty and, yeah, I admire her greatly. The second person is a little bit flippant and it would be um, Kirsty Orsop because I'd like some free advice on how to declutter some of my cupboards <laughs> and how to um, build a utility room onto the back of my house. <laughs> and um, the final person... Um, would be a, a suffragette and an, an unsung suffragette by the name of Annie Kenny. So that's interesting, isn't it? I'd invite three women to, to, my, to my dinner party, but that's what I do. That's it for this week. You can subscribe via most podcast apps. Just search University of Brighton. We're on all the usual ones like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For now, thanks for listening. <laughs>